Well, good morning. It's great to see everyone. Those of you here in the room, welcome. It's good to be with you this morning. Those of you who are joining online, uh, thank you for allowing us to be with you this morning. So we're in this third part of this Everything You Were Created to Be series. And, you know, one thing I know about you, because I know about all of us, is that we've all dreamt about being a lot of things. Maybe a model or an actor or a pro athlete or a billionaire or an astronaut or the valedictorian of, of your class. But have you ever thought about the why behind your desire to be something? Because there is a why, and, and I actually believe it's the same for every single person. See, we're, we're all on a quest for significance and for happiness and joy and fulfillment and purpose. And I think we believe that attaining what we want to be is going to provide those things. However, the reality that we all need to accept and that will make your life better as soon as the faster you accept it is that we can be some things we want to be through hard work, through dedication, through perseverance, but you can't be anything and everything you want to be. And that may leave some of you feeling lost or feeling hopeless, but it shouldn't. It shouldn't because you can't be anything you want to be, but you can be transformed into everything God created you to be. See, Creator God, your Heavenly Father, He has one ultimate desire for you. And it's not for you to become anything you want to be. It's, it's to transform you into everything He's created you to be through Jesus. So throughout this series, what we're doing is we're focusing our attention on how to be transformed into everything God's created us to be instead of focusing our attention on what we want to be. And the reason that we are is because the more we're transformed to who God created us to be, the more we see, understand, and know God. And the more that happens, the more we experience what we're all searching for, but what only he can give us, which is true life, true joy, true peace, true hope, true fulfillment, true significance, true purpose. So my prayer, my hope for you, regardless of where you're at on your journey, regardless of your age, regardless if you're kind of skeptical of this church thing, you've got some big questions or reservations about God and Jesus and the Bible, regardless of who you are, my prayer for you and my hope for you throughout this series is that you start focusing your energy and your attention and your time on being more transformed into who God created you to be than trying to become anything else. Because becoming what you want to be, but not being transformed into everything God created you to be, all it will do is leave you unfulfilled, disappoint, and on an endless search for meaning and purpose. So throughout this series, we've discovered God wants to transform you. And we've discovered Jesus promises to transform you and I when we accept his invitation to follow me. See, all throughout the Gospels, the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, these, these four books that document the, the Jesus' life, ministry, death, and resurrection, all throughout the Gospel, Jesus, Jesus continually used one phrase to invite people into a relationship with him. And that phrase was not believe, it was not behave, it was not do or don't do, these religious set of rules. The phrase he used was follow me. And here was Jesus' promise. It was Follow me and you will be transformed. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Follow me and you will be transformed. See, Jesus came on a mission. He came on a mission to transform our, our eternities. He came on a mission to transform our eternities by forgiving us for a violation of sin against God that separates us from God. He came on a mission to restore and redeem our relationship with our Heavenly Father. That's what Jesus gave his life on the cross for. But he came for so much more as well. Jesus also came on a mission to transform us into everything God created us to be so that we can experience true life in this life. Jesus describes it as life to the full. And that's what Jesus rose from the grave to prove that he can only do. 
It's to give you life to the full. See, you can be transformed into everything God created you to be. But to be, we must accept Jesus' invitation to follow me. Follow me. So the question we've been a- we're answering throughout the series is, okay, how do we follow Jesus? And we've seen that we begin following Jesus by entering into a relationship with Jesus through faith in Jesus. By asking Jesus to be the forgiver of our sins and leader of our lives. And we've seen that so cool that at that moment, at the moment we put our faith in Jesus, we're forgiven for our violation of sin against God. We're tr- our, our eternities are transformed. We've seen that at the moment we put our faith in Jesus, we go from promised eternal death to promised eternal life. And I said it every week of this series. I'm going to say it again today. If you haven't put your faith in Jesus yet, I would invite you to do that today. God wants to transform your eternity. And he wants to transform your life. And that begins by entering into a relationship with Jesus through faith in Jesus. Asking Jesus to be the forgiver of your sins and lead your life. I'm not trying to talk you into that today. I'm not going to try to persuade you to put your faith in Jesus today if you haven't. But if something in you today just stirs and you feel a prompting to do that, I would just invite you to do that before we're done today, right where you are, in your chair or in here or on your couch, wherever you are, because he wants to transform your life and your eternity. We've also seen that from the moment we put our faith in Jesus forward in this life, With every next step we take to follow Jesus, he continues to transform us into everything God created us to be. Unfortunately, many of us have made what it looks like and what it means to follow Jesus entirely too complicated. And it doesn't have to be that way. And it shouldn't be that way. See, Jesus and the writers of Scripture actually narrowed it down to three vital elements. At Relevant, we call these three vital elements living a T-life. So throughout this series, what we're doing is we're diving into each of these three. And if you're a follower of Christ, if you've put your faith in Jesus by asking him to be the forgiver of your sins of your life, here is my promise to you. My promise to you is that if you take a next step in each of these three vital elements, you will start following Jesus more. And through that, you will be more transformed into who God created you to be. And that is when you will begin to experience Jesus' life-giving presence more in your life. So last week, we looked at the first vital element to follow Jesus, which is growing in a relationship with Jesus. And we looked at some of Jesus' words from John 15, where he made this very, very, very clear. If you remember, John 13, we talked about last week, John 13 through 17 records what took place at what we call the Last Supper. This was the final meal that Jesus got his his 12 apostles together, his team together for uh, right before the the night that he was arrested and then the next day ultimately he was crucified. So he gets his team together, his crew together, his friends together for one final special meal. And in the middle of that meal, in John 15, as you remember, Jesus said this. He said to them, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you, and he's referring to everyone, those of us who, everyone who's put their faith in Jesus, put their faith in him by asking him to be the forgiver of their sins and leader of their life. Uh, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. We talked about this last week. He's Jesus saying, hey, here's, here's my promise. Remain in me. Follow me by growing in a relationship with me, walking with me, abiding with me, trusting in me, making me the center of your affection, intention, priorities, energy, and will. And I then will fully remain in you to produce the fruit of transformation in you. But here's my warning. 
Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from growing your relationship with me, you can't be transformed. Apart from growing your relationship with me, the fruit of transformation cannot and will not be produced in your life. Apart from growing your relationship with me, you cannot and will not experience the life that I can and want to give you. Life to the fullest. You can't transform yourself. So the big idea we discovered last week that Jesus saying is growing in a relationship with Jesus is vital to continually be transformed into everything God created us to be because Jesus is the only one who can transform our lives. Today, we're going to be staying in John 15 because in it, Jesus also talks about the second vital element to follow him in order to be continually be transformed, which is connecting in authentic relationships within the church, the church other followers of Christ, other people who have put their faith in Jesus. And we're, we're going to discover, today we're going to discover Jesus saying, basically, you ain't the only branch connected to me. He's going, I am the vine, you're the branches, but you ain't the only branch connected to me. And how you relate with the other branches affects the fruit of transformation in you. But before we dive back into Jesus' words, let's first define what an authentic relationship is. An authentic relationship is. An authentic relationship is someone you like, you laugh with, you enjoy being around, you care for, you encourage, you relate well with. And you might go, well, Ronnie, that sounds like anyone who's a good friend. Well, an authentic relationship is a good friend, but it's so much more than that. Here's how I define an authentic relationship. It's a friend who is helping you be transformed into everything God created you to be and whom you are helping do the same. This is so vitally important. Listen, you got, you got to know this. Every person, every person in your life will either push you away from Jesus or push you closer to Jesus. Every person in your life. And you will also do that with every person in your life. You will either push them closer to Jesus or further away from Jesus. You will do that with every person you know. An authentic relationship is a friend who pushes you closer to Jesus, and you do the same for them. You're pushing them closer to Jesus. And you do that by how you love one another and encourage one another and care for one another and challenge one another and you laugh and cry with one another and you celebrate and mourn with one another and you pray with and for one another. And you, when, you, when one of you falls down, you pick each other up and you're real with one another. You know each other's struggles. You know each other's good and bad. And yet you still love one another and are with one another. We'll never leave one another. And you grab one another by the arm and you spur one another on toward better things, toward being transformed. You speak God's principles and God's promises and God's truths into each other's lives. And some of you, even as I explain that right now, as I talk about authentic relationship, there's something in you that's stirring. You're like, yeah, yeah, that's what I want. I want an authentic relationship. I want that so badly in my life. And others of you are sitting here right now going, I'm good. Now I'm good. I don't need anyone to help me be transformed. And I don't think I can, should, or want to help others be transformed. Which is a little bit weird because we all want friends. We all want friends, but some of us aren't sure we want authentic relationships because of what that might mean. I don't need anyone all up in my business. I don't need anyone all up in this. See, this, this is a, me being transformed, this is just about me and God. I don't need you to have a relationship with God. I don't need anyone to know him or to be telling me what I should and shouldn't do, me and God. Listen, me and God, we're good. I don't need you for all that. And if I were to connect in authentic relationships, this sounds like something's required of me. And I don't think I should help transform others or can help transform others. Have you met me? 
Like, and by the way, I don't think I want to either. It sounds like a lot of time, a lot of energy just that I don't have. And listen, whether you admit it or not or whether you know it or not, this is where many of us are. I'm good. And I know that because here's what we do. Show up on Sundays, come a little bit late. No, I mean, no one comes late. <laughs> come a little bit late. As soon as we're done, boom, out the door like a bullet. Or join online, catch a few minutes of the sermon between cleaning or pooping or whatever you're doing, you know, at, at home. And I showed up. I showed up. I logged in. I'm good. I'm good. I don't need anyone. This, this is just about me and God. This is between me and God. I don't, my transformation is just about between me and God. I don't need anyone to help me grow in my relationship with Jesus. And no one needs me. Listen, th- their business is their business. I don't need to be all up in their business. It's not my responsibility to help transform them and help them grow in a relationship with Jesus. I'm good. I'm good. Well, let me just say, if you want to follow Jesus... If you want to be transformed to everything God created you to be, you ain't good. You ain't good. At least according to Jesus. So let's jump back into something we heard Jesus say last week before we get into the new stuff he's saying. He says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. And Jesus is reiterating the point that following him is not about religion. It's about a relationship, about growing in a love relationship with him. And what Jesus says next, though, it seems to contradict that. He says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I kept my Father's commands, and remain in his love. And you're like, command, that doesn't seem too relational, that doesn't seem too loving, command, like what's, but when you understand what Jesus commanded, you quickly see how extraordinarily relational this statement from Jesus actually is. And Jesus tells us what his command is one sentence later. He says, my command is this, love each other. How, Jesus? Just as I have loved you. And our reaction right away is like, hey, this is out of like a left field. What does loving others, Jesus, have to do in, a growing, in us growing in a love relationship with you? Like those seem like totally two separate things. But I'm going to tell you this, the apostles who were in the room that night, who were at dinner that night, they didn't ask that question and they didn't respond that way because this was not the first time they heard Jesus say this that night. See, right at the beginning of dinner in, in, in John 13, Jesus started dinner off by doing something that only God himself can do. And John records it this way in John 13. Jesus said, a new command I give you. And they're like, whoa, Jesus, only God himself can give new commands. And Jesus is like, yep, here I go. A new command I give you, love one another. And Jesus clarifies how. Just as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, by this one thing, loving one another just as I have first loved you. Not how much doctrine you know, not how much Bible you know, not how good you can sing the songs, not that you prayed a special prayer, you can pray special prayers, not that you believe all the right things, and not that you never sin, and not that you show up on Sunday morning, but by this one thing, everyone will know that you are my disciples, that you have a relationship with me, that you're actually one of my followers actively following me if, 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 if you love one another. And then a little later in a dinner, back in John 15, after Jesus made it very clear that growing in a relationship with him is how we follow him and the whole vine and the branches remain in me and me remain in you, that, that, that after he made it clear that growing in a relationship with, with him by following him is how we're transformed by him, Jesus reminds us and reminds them 
of this one new command that he started dinner off with. And he says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And Jesus said each other, and he's immediately referring to the each others in the room, the apostles in the room. But they undoubtedly understood this command to include every other follower of Christ, the church. That's what the church is, followers of Christ. So Jesus' big idea for them, Jesus' big idea for every follower of Christ is this. Our love for each other is what authenticates and demonstrates our love relationship with Jesus. Our love for each other is what authenticates and demonstrates that we're growing in a relationship with Jesus. Our love for each other is what authenticates and demonstrates that we're following Jesus. See, Jews in, in, in Jesus' day, they view God through the lens of religion. And religion always looks vertically with an eye in the sky. It's, it's just about me and God. Not about me and you. You're not even involved in this. It's just, it's just about me and God. And Jesus came to shift people's thinking from religion to relationship. It came to change how we think about God, how we approach God and ultimately how we relate to God through him. He came to shift people's eyes from just looking up to looking around, from just looking vertical to looking horizontal. And essentially what you see Jesus saying is you cannot do the vertical relationship without the horizontal relationships. You can't grow in a relationship with me without connecting in authentic relationships with one another. Your love for each other is what authenticates and demonstrates your love relationship with me. And what that means is that following Jesus is not just a me thing. Following Jesus is a we thing. And what that means is being transformed into everything God created you to be is not just a me thing either. It's a we thing too. Now Jesus... He goes on to explain how his followers are to love one another just as he first loved us. He says, hey, guys, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one li one's life for one's friends. Now, you have to remember, when Jesus said this, the apostles had no idea that, that the next day Jesus would show the full extent of his love for them and for us by dying on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. But after he did, after he died on the cross, and then they saw him, and then they saw him rise from the grave, they knew exactly what Jesus meant by this statement. They knew Jesus meant love each other like that. Just like that. Love each other just like that. John, who was in the room that night at the Last Supper, John, who witnessed Jesus' death and resurrection, he said it this way years later. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we also, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters, for other followers of Christ. When Jesus commanded to love, you gotta know he wasn't talking about feeling a certain way. He was talking about acting a certain way. To Jesus, love was in action. To Jesus, love meant sacrificing all of me, what I want, how I feel, what's best for me, what I need, what I deserve for all of you, for what you need, for what's best for you. That's the love Jesus showed by dying on the cross for our sins, and that's the love that he requires of us with each other. Jesus goes on. You're my friends if, 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 if you do what I command. You're just reiterating the point. You prove that you're growing in a relationship with me. You prove that you're one of my friends by loving each other 
just as I first loved you. He says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. And said, I've called you friends. For everything that I've learned from my father, I have made known to you. And Jesus is contrasting a friend versus a servant. A servant is someone who doesn't know their master, doesn't know their master's plans, doesn't know their master's heart. A servant, they've got to obey their master's commands. And they do so out of obligation. They do so out of fear because disobeying will result in punishment today. You know what that's called? That's called religion. Jesus came for relationship, which is why he calls his followers his friends. And as his friends, he makes our heavenly father's truths, promises, principles, joy, peace, fulfillment, hope, life made known to us for our benefit, for our transformation, and for the benefit and transformation of each other through us. He calls us his friends, and as his friends, we don't obey him out of obligation and fear. We obey him out of our love for him. Out of, he calls us his friends, and as his friends, we want to grow in a relationship with him and not do anything that's going to hurt that relationship because he gave his life to give us life. He goes on. He says, you do not choose me, but I chose you. He said, and the only reason you're in a relationship with me to begin with is because I invited you into this relationship. Not because of anything you did or didn't do. I chose to invite you to follow me simply because I love you. And we talked about this a few weeks ago, and this is so important. Everyone, regardless of where on your journey, especially if you're kind of skeptical and you're like, oh, I don't know about all this. This is weird. Listen, you've got to know, Jesus likes you. He wants to know you. And he wants you to know him. He knows everything about you. He knows everything that you wish you would have done and everything you wish you wouldn't have done. He knows what you did last year. He knows what you did last spring break. He knows what you two did last night. You know, he know, I mean, he knows everything about you. He knows how you've cussed him, how you've cursed him. He knows, yeah, you've, uh, you know, you've lost faith. He knows that you, know, you got so drunk, you threw up everywhere, and if this all never happened again, then it happened again the next day. He knows everything about you, and yet he still wants to know you. And for you to know him. So listen, no matter who you are, your age, your background, your questions, your skeptical, your, you know, your sins, your doubts, your level of faith or no faith. You've got to know Jesus is inviting you to follow him today. Which I'll say it again, if you haven't accepted that invitation by putting your faith in him, by asking him to be the forgiver of your sins and lead your life, there's no better time than to do that today. So he said, you didn't choose me. But I chose you, he says, and appointed you so that you might go bear fruit, fruit that will last. Say, I, I, I invited, I chose for you to follow me, not just so your sins are forgiven and you go to heaven someday. If that happens, sure, yes, and that's all great. But I chose and I invited you to follow me to transform you today. So that the fruit of my love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control and and, and hope and significance and purpose is produced in your life today. The fruit of transformation. And the fruit of transformation is really the only thing that matters because it's the only thing that lasts through this life and into the next one. And, and that's why I think we should focus, focus more of our energy and time and effort on following Jesus more than trying to become anything else. And here's another reason why. And so that whatever you ask in my Father, in, in my name, the Father will give to you. It's like, woo, Jesus, that's a big promise. And we talked about this last week, so I'm not going to get too much into this. Go back, and if you missed last week, go, go back and watch. Or if you forgot, go back and watch again. 
Let's quickly say it. Here's what the writers of Scripture promise. They promise that when we pray God's will, God will answer. When we pray God's will, God will answer. When we pray God's will, God will answer. And I posed a question last week, like, is it possible? I don't know. You answer this. You're smart people. You can all answer this yourself. I'm sure you know the Bible inside and out, so you answer it. Is it possible that one of the reasons why so many of our prayers go unanswered is because we're praying our will, our desires, our interests, our worldviews instead of his? You answer it. Listen, you want God to answer your prayers, and guess what? God wants to answer your prayers. Here's what Jesus is saying. The more we're transformed into, into everything God created us to be by following Jesus, the more that we know God's will and the more we desire God's will, therefore the more we will pray God's will. And that's when God promises he will answer our prayers. So Jesus, kind of getting to the end of this thought, he repeats himself one final time for emphasis to make sure they don't forget, we don't forget, and in case you didn't hear, I'm going to make myself clear one more time. He says, this is my command. Love each other. Why? Because our love for each other is what authenticates and demonstrates our love relationship with Jesus. Growing in a relationship with Jesus and connecting authentic relationships within the church with other followers of Christ, they're interrelated. You can't do one without doing the other, and you can't follow Jesus without doing both. And here's what that means. It means our lives are not transformed in isolation. God uses people to transform people. God uses people to transform people. Every single time. And you know, it's because when you hear someone tell their story about how God transformed them in some way, it seems like it always includes others. Think about others. Think about your own story. Whenever there was a point where you maybe put your faith in Jesus or your faith in Jesus grew, your confidence in God grew, or you went from transformed to something in your character, you were, you were broken and you were prideful and you became humble and you were selfish and you became selfless and, and something in your character transformed and you, be, and you, you went from hope, hopeless to being hope-filled and you went from having no peace to being filled with peace. Whenever tra- transforming work occurred in your life, your faith grew, your confidence in God grew, it always included other people. It was never by yourself, was it? There was always someone, maybe behind the scenes and maybe on the front lines with you, someone praying for you or praying with you, someone talking with you, someone who picked you up when you fell down, someone listening, someone reaching out, someone who took the time. God uses people to transform people. You got to know God wants to transform you into everything He created you to be. But transformation doesn't happen in isolation. And this is so important listen, God wants to transform you not just for your own benefit, He wants to transform you so that He can work through you to help transform the each others into everything He created all of us to be. See, our relationships with one another, they're a really big deal to Jesus. They're a huge deal to Jesus. And if you don't believe me, all you got to look is look at the, at the Last Supper. The last time he's with his closest friends. At the Last Supper, our relationships with one another are such a big deal. It's why he started the Last Supper off by focusing on them. And it's why he spent so much time in the middle of dinner to talk about them. And it's why he concluded dinner 
by focusing on him. You know how Jesus closed out the dinner? This dinner, this last dinner, the, the night that he was arrested. This last dinner before he's going to be arrested and ultimately he's going to be crucified the, last, the next day. This special time with his team, with his crew. Jesus closes out the dinner with a prayer. And the last thing Jesus prayed for was you and me. Was his future church. Was those of us who would end up putting our faith in him. And here's what Jesus prayed for you and me. I have given them the glory that you gave me. That they may be one. As we are one, I and them, you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then, and only then, the world will know that you have sent me and loved them even as you had loved me. See, our relationships with one another are a big deal. Not just for our own transformation. Not just for their transformation. But for the world's. For the transforming work God wants to do in us, his church, in the world. And here's what you got to know. You and I, we cannot follow Jesus without carrying on Jesus' mission of impacting the world. But I'm getting way ahead of myself. More on that next week. Here's, here's the big idea for the day. Connecting in authentic relationships within the church is vital to continue to be transformed to everything God created us to be because our lives are not transformed in isolation. You need friends who are helping you be transformed and whom you are helping do the same. You need authentic relationships because our life is not transformed in isolation and neither is anyone else's. But here's what you got to know. Authentic relationships, they're not easy to form. And they're not easy to flourish. As a matter of fact, they're extremely, extremely difficult, which is why so many people never experience authentic relationships. So I'm going to ask, like, why? Like, why is it so difficult for these relationships to form and to flourish? And I don't know all the reasons why. I've identified a few. Here, here's a couple of them. Why? Why is it difficult? I think first, our brokenness, right? We're all broken people. And we know this, we talk about it. God wants to transform the broken aspects of our lives. The problem is that today, today, we all relate to one another out of our brokenness. And that makes connecting authentic relationships extremely challenging because you're trying to take two broken people to make a whole relationship. So why it's difficult? Our brokenness. Another reason, our time. We're all busy people, and busyness kills the potential for authentic relationships to form and flourish because relationships just require a lot of time. And the third one, I think, a third reason is because of our enemy. Our enemy, Satan, does everything he can to, to try to stop us from being transformed to everything God created us to be. And he knows, he knows more than any of us understand, our enemy knows that our lives are not transformed in isolation. So he works double time to isolate us from one another. And he's done a fantastic job. He makes us think, he makes us believe, I'm good. I don't need anyone. Me being transformed is between me and God. I don't need anyone to help me grow in my relationship with Jesus. Evidently, I'm just a single branch. No one needs me. No one needs me. It's not my responsibility to help you be transformed. I don't have anything to offer you anyway. And I honestly, I don't think anyone cares about me. No one likes, even likes me. I can't seem to connect with these people. I should just leave. Ever heard those in your head? 
I'm sure there's more reasons that, you know, having authentic relationships are difficult. But the point is, is that these relationships are just really difficult to form and difficult to flourish. But we must because our lives are not transformed in isolation. Your transformation is at stake here. And their transformation is at stake here. And the world's transformation is at stake. Now, the truth is, we can't magically make authentic relationships happen. But we can create the potential for them. Which is why we are so committed about creating relational environments. At at Relevant, our mindset is that circles are better than rows. Circles are better than rows. So we spend a ton of time and energy and money around trying to get every kid, every student, every adult out of their rows and into circles, into a smaller community, into a small group for, for our Kids birth through pre-K, we call those sprout small groups. For our kids kindergarten through fifth grade, we call those relevant kids small groups. For our middle school students, we call those rooted small groups. For our high school students, we call those youth united small groups. For our college students and adults, we call these T-life groups. Because all we care about is T-life. And these are smaller communities of people pursuing to live a transformed life together. Now listen, if you're a college student or adult, if you're a college student or adult and you are not in a T-Life group, I encourage you to take a next step as fast as possible to engage in one. T-Life groups, they meet weekly to grow with one another, connect with one another, pray for one another, help one another, shepherd one another. Just be in one another's lives. T-Life groups, they're the best environment for the potential of authentic relationships to form and to flourish and for you to be transformed with other college students and adults at Relevance. If you're not in one, you can find one and join one today by, by very easily by, by texting groups to 55444 or going to relevantcommunity.org slash groups. And then you're going to meet your new T-Life group at group link in, sept, I think it's September 17th. Listen, Jesus wants to transform you to everything he's created you to be. Transformation doesn't happen in isolation. If you're a middle school student, if you're a high school student. You're not part of a rooted small group or a Youth United small group. I encourage you to take a next step and engage in one by getting your butts to Rooted at 4 o'clock on Sundays and Youth United on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. At Rooted and Youth United, you're going to get plugged into a small group with 8 to 10 other middle school students or high school students and a small group leader who's going to be committed to invest in your life. These small groups are the best environment for the potential of authentic relationships to form and to flourish and for you to be transformed with other students. Jesus wants to transform you to everything he created you to be. Transformation does not happen in isolation. If you're a parent in here, parent of a a, a child, parent of a middle school student, a high school student, Man, my biggest encouragement to you as a parent, myself, of a middle schooler and a high schooler, I know I don't look that old, but my encouragement to you is to get and to keep your kids connected. Get your kids and get your students into these weekly environments. Sprouts, Roman Kid, Rooted, Youth United. Why? Because the importance of what we talked about last week, the importance of practical biblical teaching and having that rhythm in our life to grow in our relationship with Jesus and for these small groups. That's a potential to connect in these small groups. Listen, at, at, at our weekly environments, we're going to do the best to make your kids' you know, experience exceptional. They're going to love some of what we do, they're not going to love all of what we do. And you know why? Because they're kids. And that's how this works. But 
Jesus wants to transform your kid into everything he created them to be. And you got to remember, transformation does not happen in isolation. So don't make this optional for them. Don't make it optional. Now, some of you, some of you, I realize you're in a T-Life group. You're in one of these small groups, Rooted Youth United groups, and you're not experiencing this. You're not experiencing authentic relationships forming and flourishing. And you got into one of these groups because you want to connect, but it's not happening, and you're frustrated, and you're ready to quit. Here's what you got to know. Authentic relationships, they don't just magically happen because you're in a T-Life group or a Rooted group or a Youth United group. I'm going to say something that is super deep. You ready for this? This is going to blow your mind. You're going to be so glad you got up this morning. For authentic relationships to form and flourish requires much of you. So what I want to do is I want to close by quickly giving four words that are required for authentic relationships to form and flourish with the people in your small group, rooted group, youth united group, T-life group. And listen, if you're frustrated, you're in one of these groups, you're frustrated because you're not experiencing authentic relationships within that group, I want you to ask, is there one of these that I need to take a next step with? I can guarantee there is. Which one do I? And you're going to go, no, they need to take a next step. Jesus go, no, 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 you love them just as I first loved you. You don't wait for not how they're loving you, how I loved you. You do that. You take responsibility. You go first. So here's the first word. Authentic relationships require availability. In order for authentic relationships to form and flourish, we must be available with our time to pray with them, to care for them, to, 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 when they're in need, to, to be there for them, to listen, to respond. Hurriness and busyness, it kills so many things, greatest of which is authentic relationships. I love this quote, that love has a speed and it's slower than you are. Love has a speed, it's slower than you are. Love pauses, it lingers, it offers full focus, it gives more than it takes. Love is available. Here's the second word, intentionality. In order for authentic relationships to form and flourish, we must be intentional. You must be intentional to reach out to them, to share your lives with them, to pray for them, to care for them, to pursue them, to get together with them, to meet, to encourage them, to speak life into them, to listen to them. Love is intentional. you got to be intentional. Here's a third word, sacrificial love. It's one word because I hyphenated it. Sacrificial love. Remember, Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, that you lay down your life for one's friends. I showed you how to do that on the cross. Now go love one another just like that. In order, which means in order for authentic relationships to form and flourish, we must love, you must love the other people sacrificially, which means I'm going to sacrifice all of me. What I want, how I feel, what's best for me, what I need, what I deserve for all of you, for what you need, for what's best for you, because that's the way Jesus first loved me. Love is sacrificial. And here's the fourth word, commitment. You cannot microwave authentic relationships. You can't do it. It's more of a crock pot. I think that takes longer than a microwave. I'm not a big cook, but I've heard. Here's this means. It takes an enormous amount of time for a long period of time for authentic relationships to form and flourish. Therefore, we've got to stay and be committed to them. Which means you've got to be committed to show up to group when you don't feel like it. You got to be committed to forgive them when they hurt their feelings. And guess what? They're going to hurt your feelings. You're broken, they're broken. If they don't hurt your feelings at some point in time, you probably ain't close enough. You got to be committed to not give up on them. You got to be committed to not quit on the relationship. You got to be committed to stay available and be intentional. You got to stay committed to love sacrificially even when they don't deserve it because love is committed. So 
Those of you who are in a small group, everyone in the T-Life group, rooted group, youth united group, let me ask you a question. Are you pursuing the people in your small group like this? Are you pursuing them like this? If you're not, don't complain about them. It's not their fault. You want to be transformed to everything God created you to be? Well, what next step will you take to connect in authentic relationships within Relevant? Whatever the next step is, take it. Take it because we follow Jesus one next step at a time. Take it because transformation doesn't happen in isolation. Take it because you need others. And others need you. Let's pray. God, I just thank you that you gave us one another, that we're not a sole branch, um, that we have one another to encourage and lift up and be there. And I, I pray that we just pursue these, that we're intentional with this. Um, and through that, you do a transforming work in us and in our church and each other. Lord, for every person who today hasn't put their faith in you and there's a little stirred, their heart's stirred to do that, I pray right now they choose to do that either in this room or where they're at on their couch or their desk or their car. I pray that they just at this moment realize their need for a Savior to be forgiven for their violation of sin against you, God. And they declare that they believe Jesus can be that Savior because of his death and resurrection. And I pray at this moment quietly where they are, Jesus, that they ask you to be the forgiver of their sins and the leader of their life. In Jesus' name, amen.